everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing in life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That's true. Author Magazine, or Author to Author, is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. Uh, you can find it at authormagazine.org, and we're funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. To learn about the PNWA, you can go to pnwa.org. This will be my last show of the year. i take a little break for the holidays, but uh, I am offering a special starting in January, one-on-one fearless writing with me, wherever you are, over Zoom, special price, 99 bucks for an hour, just talking to me about all those different kinds of things. I'm also going to be doing an in-depth fearless four-week fearless writing class. If you're interested in those, those will be all be virtual. If you want to sign up, go to williamcanower.com. You can learn more about that. So yeah, like I said, a couple weeks off for the holidays. It's going to be nice. And ah, we're finishing. We're finishing. This was a good, with a good one. Lydia Millet. Yeah, indeed. She's the author of a children's Bible, which was a finalist for the National Book Award and a New York Times Top 10 Book of 2020, among other works of fiction. She has won awards from Penn Center, USA, and the American Academy of Arts and Letters, and been shortlisted for the National Book Award, National Book Critics Circle Award, and Los Angeles Times Book Prize. Her story collection, Love and Infant Monkeys, was a Pulitzer Prize finalist. She's got a new book out called, or it's been out for a little while, called Dinosaur. Really, I, I love the book. Great getting to talk to her about it and just writing and all that she's going through and just life, you know, the kind of thing we like to talk about. So uh, I am so glad we get to end the year on this great note and that I get to share this conversation with you. Enjoy. Well, look who it is. It's Lydia. Lydia, how are you doing? Just a little chilly, but otherwise good. How about yeah, you? Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. You're down there in Arizona where I don't normally think of it as chilly, but I get, you know what happens? You just get, you get too used to the heat, Lydia. And now Maybe it's just under roughly, 50, you're screwed. Yeah. It could be that my body is just erroneous at the moment. <laughs> I mean, I will say there's like, it's, you know, in Northern Arizona, obviously it's really cold where the Grand Canyon is and yeah. Flagstaff and all that. Dan here though, I mean, we do actually have a freeze warning uh, for <gasps> tonight. So it's not like... You know, it's not right. tropical, but still. All right. So here's the latest. Oh, what a, what a, this book, Dinosaur. Uh, I tell you, so glad I had, I brought, I went to a conference and I found myself without anything to do. And this was the best company for me. I devoured it in a day and <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And uh, we're looking at book number, do you know, like 12, where I was just doing a rough, what do you think? Can you count? Hi, that's a that's in a ballpark. Um, yeah. that's my dog. Can it? Yeah, can I can hear. hear yeah. Sorry, yeah, that's okay. He wants to be a part um, of the conversation. Yeah, he's a little. He likes to express himself sometimes with a delivery person. Unfortunately, <laughs> there's nothing I can do. Um, but uh, yeah, no, about a dozen books, give or take. Yeah, and so, um, this one came out a couple months ago. Lydia's got to just say, forget it. You're, you're, you're blocked out, buddy. All right. <laughs> uh, it came out a couple of months ago. How's, um, how's it been going with it? How, have you been enjoying doing this kind of thing? Has there been any kind of a conversation you've been able to have based on it? Like, well, how's it going? 
Yeah, I mean, it's going, it's been nice. I have had a lot of, I have done a lot of talking, yeah. um, which, which I'm often ambivalent about, but, are you? Um, you know, it's, it just depends who I'm talking to, really. Yeah, yeah. And do you, I mean, when you, how do you, how, what, I mean, what do you think of the post-publication process? A lot of writers, when they're starting out, they dream of the attention and the accolades they think they'll get <laughs> and for a lot of writers it's the writing where the real pleasure is but there is pleasure in having your work out there i assume do you feel that way do you gain anything well, from that's the a good question i really like so it, certainly for me the main joy is in the writing uh there's no question and i i know it's true that some some book authors actually really love um the sort of promotional part of the gig yeah. um I would say that I, I, you know, I had this tendency to dread something when it's coming up and then always to enjoy it in the end. So, <laughs> so I'll dread like having to make a public appearance, but then when yeah. I'm actually there, I actually have a great time and I love seeing people, especially now in this sort of like post hermit period yeah. of, um, you know, let's hope latter day COVID or something. Right. <laughs> um, you it's know, the, so. yeah. I mean, because for my last book, it was like full early phase lockdown because uh, right. Children's Bible came out right, right, you know, at the beginning of of COVID in 2020, like yeah. in, in May or something. And yeah. so it was really everything was virtual, right? And yeah. so it's nice to be doing some things in real life again. It really is. Yeah, I had a book come out right when it was cracking down and I was like, okay, it's all virtual. And it was not, it's, I did a bunch of conferences in the fall and I was like, God, I missed this. I, cause I like to teach. And I, so I just missed the live experience with human beings. I've done a lot of Zoom stuff and it's okay, yeah. but it's not yeah. the same. It's not. Yeah, I love about the Zoom that you can just talk to people, obviously, who are far away and who right. you can't afford to go see or they can't afford to to be in the same place as you. I mean, I do love that, obviously, but, um, but the rest of it is, you know, the self-consciousness of it is, is for me worse than, than any kind of in-person self-consciousness. You know? Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Cause like just the fact that you're forced to look at your own face constantly, I mean, oh, you, right. <laughs> you can, you can disable that function, but like, it's probably not wise, you know? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So you, you I was, what you said, just before it was quite interesting to me about being kind of dread the thing and then you do it and it's not so bad. Let me ask this when writing is unusual, I think in that it has a performative nature to it. That is not perhaps obvious from the, cause you're just sitting there at your desk, but I've always felt with writing, like I don't actually know what's going to happen personally until I start doing it. You know, I don't right. dread it, but there is a kind of, I don't know how you feel, but I, I wrote a piece for Writer's Digest about how I'm cold. I'm stone cold when I start and I need to find the groove, you know, and it doesn't take Do you, me. No, so are you talking about when you're writing or when you're presenting? Writing, writing. When, when I'm writing, writing I yeah. start out just, you know, it's a, it's a thing. I think every writer, if they're going to mature, needs to learn how to get into the mindset where writing actually happens. Because I don't personally live there. And so do you ever have that same sense with writing? Like, Oh, am I going to be able to do, you know, you know, you're going to do it every day, but there's a difference between being in it and approaching the page. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I know. I think I'm the same kind of writer um, because I, I actually really like this, that I, 
I I think of it only generally only in those moments when I'm engaged Doing in it. it. Yeah. 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 I mean, which doesn't mean that I, I do. I'm sort of obs obsessively a consumer of narrative and all its forms sort of. So yeah. I think that in that way, when I'm, of course, this is just the way I excuse like um, a lot of viewership and laziness. <laughs> and, <laughs> hey, I'm a professional, you know, like, man. You know, I got to do watching. this. Yeah. Right. Binge watching. It's all homework, right? It's all right. Um, but truthfully, I do. I'm just sort of addicted to narrative uh, as we all are to some degree or another, right? Sort yeah. of cognitively and emotionally. Yeah. But, um, but I don't think generally expressly about whatever I'm working on, except in the moment that I'm working on it. And that goes for before I start it too. So that sounds kind of like you're cold, you're cold open yeah, there. I, I think the, you know what, I think it's smart because I have a theory about stories, which is they only really make sense when you're telling them in a way like you can't, I can't get my head, even if it's, I write a lot of personal narrative stuff and it's still, I can't, they don't really make sense until I'm in it seen from the outside in fiction for sure does that make sense in other words you got to be in that flow of it like you got to reread i know do you do the thing where you reread some of what you wrote the day before yeah. to get back because mm -hmm. just to get back and like what what what's happening again or what does it feel like again does that make sense yes i mean i completely 100 percent agree with that i mean i always have to read over and so that's perhaps like a I mean, I won't say it's a waste of time. It's just no. a, it's sort of iterative, right? And yeah. repetitive, that sort of. And you can't be doing because I work a normal job, you know, right. for like thirty hours a week, and then I'm going from the text of that to the text of whatever I'm working on personally. And uh, so, yeah, you do have to reimmerse yourself. And I think that yeah, stories only do make sense, or at least the best and most interesting and nuanced stories only make sense when you're when you're in them. And that's what the, the sort of like dream of consciousness is the dream of consciousness okay let's go into that what do you mean by that so the well i just mean that you know i at least i i don't know if you're the same way in this respect as well but i don't calculate what i write beforehand and so right everything right. that emerges like in a story is really like a dream um right right and right. but it's obviously not an an unconscious dream you know it is a conscious dream it's just that i'm not um sort of self-consciously crafting it every 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 moment right, right? so it's more like right. like automatic writing or um when we were in art class in high school um the wonderful teacher mr boutros his name was an egyptian anyway he had <laughs> us do that line contour drawing you know we're right. not allowed to look yeah at yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah, i always I feel that. like writing is it's true that I'm looking at my words while I'm writing. That is true. But I always feel there's a, a quality of blind contour to writing oh, fiction. Totally. See, this is the thing about writing, which is so interesting, because it's it's sort of seen as this intellectual process, which I which creative writing I really don't think is. It's so much more intuitive and emotional. And also, I, I feel like my job is to get into and maintain the frame of mind that allows that to happen. In other words, I it's a such a because I always say about writing, unlike the rest of our lives, there's nothing to react to. I'm always reacting. I'm reacting to you right now to some degree in this conversation. But at the page, it's all internal. All the reaction, all the is coming from within. There's nothing external I can focus on. And I think it's right. a totally different way of even when you I play music. I'm reacting to the instrument to some degree and the sound, but even my senses aren't being used uh, to do the writing. Does that make sense? And yeah. so there's that mindset yeah, no, we have to get into. Yeah, that's why I always feel, even if I'm doing something that um, apparently contains some 
measure of ideas or whatever. It still never right. feels like I'm an intellectual or like it's an intellectual pursuit. Right. You know, and right. I, I was would really distinguish myself from intellectuals really in that way, where I don't like I'm not always able to be hyper referential or to be analytical right. in in sort of a methodical way that's consistent. You know, like I'm just right. yeah, much more sort of instinct based as you intuitive or whatever you know well, you're discovering is i mean to me if it's not if i'm not discovering something in fact i have to remember that because i write about creativity a lot and you know I, I i gotta stay interested and i have and if i'm trying to remind myself why it's always the discovery let's see what i can discover this time let's see what i can because that the new is to me where the fun is where the thing i didn't predict i'm sure in the case of fiction the character doing something you didn't anticipate you know or learning something does that make sense yeah. 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 You know, yeah, I mean, I used to be completely sort of pegged to the new in my reading and in my kind of aspirations as a writer. Yeah. And I think that like stylistic um, innovation isn't, isn't as important to me as it used to be when I was young, because, you know, right. well, basically the older you get, the more you understand that you, you essentially don't ever know enough to even know when you're being innovative. <laughs> it's kind of a chimera, you know, it's, it's somewhat yeah. delusional. It's I always delusional feel like innovation to, is know. like, it needs to be inserted. Like, I can't tell this story unless I do it. This I'm going to try something new in order to tell the story. If it starts being for the sake of innovation, I think it, I don't right. know, I think it starts feeling artificial pretty quickly. Right. Or just sort of like almost maybe in a way, sort of an egoistic distraction. Yes. Um, yes. I think but that's like in, in, in reference to formal innovation. That doesn't mean that I don't like reading that right. sometimes formally innovative things, of course, because it, but if, and only if they have, you know, uh, beauty and sort of coherence of purpose that is right. also interesting right so dinosaur I, I really liked this book and thank you for writing it you know it was you know what it was it, and i you probably people will contact you and talk to you about your book but it was really good company and but in it's very particular way i was feeling a little lonely you know i was i was kind of isolated i hadn't i they had me and there was nothing for me to do a lot of the time i was just sitting there in this hotel room and it was such good company it was such grounding company um, and it's, you know, the best kind of company you feel connected to yourself at the same time. I feel like I'm with someone and yet with myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And it, that was, that was sort of the impulse under which I was, um, writing the book as well. Like I just, I wanted to tell a story about company that also yep. felt like, like that felt like company. So you're reading it as I was writing it. Oh, oh that's so good. Well, that wasn't anticipating you know, one of the interesting challenges I thought with this book as I was reading it is the protagonist. And again, I, 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 I devoured this in a day two months ago, so I can't remember anybody's name. What was the protagonist's name? Gil. Uh, Gil. Gil. Okay, Gil. Right. Gil is a really, he's an odd, he has an odd life, but he's a very nice guy. He's a really decent person. And I think that can be a hard that can present a challenge. Not that you want to make all your characters sort of anti-heroes or sort of untrustworthy, but he's a really decent guy. And that's sort of the thing revealed about him. And I think that can make for harder to tell stories in a way. Did you know he was going to be like that when you started creating or did you discover that about him as you were going along? I did want to write uh, like just a good natured character again. It had been a while since I wrote a book that was just sort of um, kind of immersed in this, um, you know, fairly generously minded uh, made up character. The last time yeah. I'd really done that. Well, I mean, that I'd really done that sort of intentionally was like when I 
probably 20 years ago when I wrote a book called My Happy Life, in which like the the narrator is just uh, profoundly kind, basically. And I sort right. of wanted to do another version of that. Uh, but it's quite different because, you know, Gil obviously is this privileged kind of figure. Right. And the the character in My Happy Life was the opposite, you know, just completely right. powered and all that stuff. Um, so it was a bit, you know, it was a different project, but it was sort of fulfilling that sort of companionship of a, of a, you know, of a benevolent voice that you can sometimes make for yourself in, in nonfiction as well as fiction, I think. Sure. And did you, wait, wait, I've been working on editing something. I've been thinking a lot about that process of when you, the, most of it's done, but you're trying to mold the clay a little bit. Um, and I have a lot of students and they'll say, oh, I hate the editing. It's, I feel so. And I often think it's because they're, you during editing, they're imagining what other people will think of it. And that makes it impossible for them to do. But how do you enjoy the editing? What is it? Do you, first of all, do you enjoy it? when you go through and doing your own version of it? And if so, what about it is enjoyable? Yeah, I mean, I enjoy the part of editing where I get to decide myself what I'm doing. So the part <laughs> that goes along with the uh, with the writing, which is most of it, you know, 98% right. of it for me, right. is just in the course of writing and rewriting. And as I proceed through the book, and then, you know, I'll read it over many times for a period of some weeks or months and sort of, and re-edit, and hopefully see it again, or maybe I'll give it to someone to read then. Um, right. And uh, and they'll give me sort of a shortcut to, you know, you know how other readers, you know, best case, they can make you see sooner what you were going to see eventually right. anyway. Right, right. Um, but I actually love, the only kind of editing I, I don't, I don't hate it, but it's just not as joyful is, is when it's, you know, external. And that doesn't right. mean that I don't appreciate that because I appreciate it. And I only do it if I, if I concur with it, but like, right. you know, just the kind of things where it's more sort of like you're negotiating with a copy editor yes. or, <laughs> yeah. um, or maybe like there are some good line edits that someone has made. Yeah. Oh, you've got your actually, yeah, the he's come to that, visit. Hopefully, he'll be more quiet. Lydia's now. dog has entered. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> he's got his leash on now, so maybe he won't bark as much. Okay, good. Um, so yeah, so different, but but the kind of editing that's most substantive, I actually really enjoy. So you have you will show the book to someone before, like your agent or some. Do you have like a friend, reader, <laughs> partner who? This did not work. <laughs> no, <I'm laughs> This is really particularly bad. Excuse me for one second. That's okay. Second. We're going to, we got to, the dog has to go. Dogs are, I have a cat who, uh, oh, he's thinking a walk is coming. It's not coming. I have a cat who will sometimes leave prizes outside my door and <laughs> meow for me to come. All right. Okay. I'm back. That, that's it. So I'm sure I'm not even sure it's sure it's fixed, but I well, obviously we'll, need to speak we'll with my with partner it. more before this whole thing began. Um, <laughs> but so, anyway, yeah. So you so give that. so so someone read you give it to someone to read other than like your agent and your editor. Yeah, I have had a couple of just really reliable um, friend readers for the past few years. Um, yeah. My friend Jenny and uh, and recently more my my friend Randolph um, or more than I used to just folks that I really rely on. Um, what do you, what do you want? Editor, Richard Nash is a, is a good reader for some of my things. So yeah, I usually show it to at least one person before what do my, you, like, 
what I almost never show myself, but I've been thinking I the thing I'm working on now, I kind of want to break that and I'm going to show it to someone, I think. And so do you go to them and say, here you go. Just tell me what you think. Or do you say, is this a thing? Or like, what do you give them any instructions? How does that go? I just ask them to read it initially and because I don't want to sort of influence the way they read it. Right. I just want them to come to it cold right. because that's what I can't do anymore. You know, when you've seen yeah, something, yeah, you just, yeah. that's what you don't have anymore. Yeah. You don't have that neural novelty. Um, no. So, so that's the first thing. And then, you know, if I have concerns about it, I'll, after they give me like an, you know, a general sort of response, I'll ask them about, you know, the concerns right. that I have. Um, does it usually change after you have someone read it? Does it change a little bit after that? Does, is it almost always the case where there's like something you you yeah, had? Yeah, there's there's usually at least one weakness that someone finds, you know, yeah. um, depending on like how ambitious the project was maybe to start out right. with. Or, right. Um, how many things like it I've done or not done before. Um, cer certain things, you know, if I'm doing something new, um, I'll be less, I might be less sure of it or just sort of less used to it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, but, but yeah, no, I think that readers really can help you, can help you just understand things faster. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and my, get... my agent's actually a good, she's actually a good um, reader too. Like she's yeah. a good, um, but I usually like to give her a break and not give her, you know, a, fir a first draft of something. Right. Uh, that makes sense. So uh, in this book, it's maybe hard for you to answer now. When did you actually, when did you finish it? When, I mean, when was it, when did you stop having anything to do with it? Was that like two years ago, a year and a half ago? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah. When did I stop having anything to do with it? Cause of course, like, you know, this little stuff along the way, but you know, really yeah, basically yeah. Being done. I mean, I think that I finished really writing it. Um, maybe in, in the very early lockdown, you know, okay. um, yeah, because I think some aspects of that kind of influenced it a yeah. bit. But yeah. but I had begun it, you know, um, I had written it and put it aside. So I often will just sort of put something aside and then go on to the next thing. So it's actually sitting there for a while oh, before it gets that's published. a nice luxury, man. It's ideally months, if you can, be nice. Yeah. So you can come back and see it. That's really helpful. Right. Um, and that's like, and, and maybe if you're not ready to give give it to anyone yet, that's a good thing to do if you can, right? Yeah, just have it say. Um, so I, may, I was going to say, I may be hard for you to remember, but what surprised you most about it as you once you finished it? Um, that is, well, <laughs> I guess, um, I guess what surprised me was that it had ended up being this sort of like gentle tale in a way. Right. Um, right. Uh, because I didn't set out to write something as quiet and sort of like warm as I think it is sort of like that, you know, I sort of ended up with that texture, even though I hadn't been writing toward that. Um, right. So I guess that was you know, I don't know. Uh, I kind of worried it would be, I kind of worried it was sort of middle brow or something. <laughs> but, um, uh, and, why? You know, why? Because like, it, why, what, what about well, it? And it, a couple of critics have definitely, you know, read it that way, honestly. Um, oh, not, not, not in reviews that I'm, you know, hyper interested in. Right. And, and I do like, you know, I, I generally, I, you know, uh, I like, I sort of believe all reviews, whether they're positive or, or negative. Do you read them? Do you read them? I, I skim some. It depends how smart they are. 
know, oh, then I'll read Lydia, them just, you know what, Lydia, <laughs> you, don't, you don't need, you don't need to listen to me, but I'm going to tell you anyway, just stop. Don't even read them. Well, you know, now, I'm on I a do, mission. For I don't necessarily read, read everything. Okay. You know, carefully, I will say, right. but, okay. um, you know, I just will sort of glance at something and if it like captures my interest, um, then I'll, then right. I'll read it more carefully, you know, but, um, but I don't, I haven't typically shied away, shied away from them. No? But there are a couple with this book where I was just like, yeah, I think I'll read that later because I get the drift of it and it's right. pleasing to me. <laughs> but essentially, yeah. you know, the critique that because the, the character is um, rich and white and <sighs> male, that his story is not worth telling or not of oh. general cultural interest, that kind of critique. Um, oh, that's... You know, I'm, it was absolutely, it's not surprising at all to get that kind of critique. Right. And I knew that would happen. Uh, all the same... I'm not ashamed of having written such character. Well, <laughs> you know? I mean, look at either everybody's stories matters or nobody's stories. Matters. If we're going to start basing people's stories on the color of their skin and how much money they have, that you can just, you can turn that any way you want. Either I, I firm so- believer, everybody matters top to bottom or nobody does, you know? Also, also, you know, to me, like novels have always been about language you know and just about like voice and texture and stuff and this one was no different in that respect and you know characters just take different forms and this guy happened to be this this just who who he ended up being you know all right Uh, i know don't get me started on that i get a little (laughs) teased about that particular it seems to me very shallow but it's disguised as something deep which i don't think it is um all right this is gonna be a hard question maybe for you to answer but you know as a creative person we got to keep up with ourselves and our we're always we got to keep up with our own interest what's on your mind these days creatively what's got your attention creatively aside from just the project is there something about writing or stories that is particularly that you're chewing on a bit these days um you mean about other people's? Or well, I don't know. Just stories and writing in general. Because I keep, you know, I write music. So I keep noticing things and thinking about things. And with writing, I'm noticing. Th- it just seems to keep keep going, you know. what's So what's yeah. up with Lydia around writing these days? What's got her, what's in her craw? I mean, I think I'm, I'm trying, I'm right now, what I'm doing is like, I'm really reading. I'm, And this has been the case since the pandemic, really, that I've been reading a lot of nonfiction mm. Some of it a little like philosophical and some of it just sort of like natural history or like, and right now I'm reading this, this excellent writer named Melanie Challenger, who's English and she has a just a fantastic book called How to Be Animal and this other one I'm now reading called On Extinction. And they're both about sort of human exceptionalism and, uh-huh. um, and sort of the perils of that. And so I guess like that's sort of my chief interest right now is like, the ways we tell ourselves that we're better than other beings in the world. <laughs> you know, like, so that's, that's basically kind of what I'm obsessed with at the moment. All right. Well, see, and you know, the interesting thing about that is, is how that will percolate into your stories. You may not unconsciously, hopefully, right. It'll just sort of find its way in there. Probably, probably. Yeah. 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 All right. So it's a people. There it is again, dinosaur. It's good company. It's good company. It really is. It really is. Um, congratulations. Look, you've Thank been at this so a while. Much. You know how to I'm write a book. A barking dog Don't worry about it. You've done good. I hope you're okay. happy with the book. I was happy with it. It also helped me with oh, my good. flight. I had enough left over for my flight home. Um, so, but I got one more question for you, Lydia. Yes. Uh, and it is, I want you to finish this sentence. I want you to think about all the writing you've done for young adults, essays, novels. Think of it all. If it's taught you anything, it's taught you what? 
It's taught me to read expansively, you know, Ooh. to read across genres and um, and not only genres, but real categories of writing even beyond, say, you know, fiction, um, read poetry, you know, read nonfiction, read science if you can, you know, read history, read all that. Um, that's the thing that I'm learning maybe too late in life in some of those categories, but I feel like I can never learn everything. I won't have time for it all. You know, it's never too late, Lydia. It's not too late. I'm sorry. Hey, thanks a lot. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. It was. That's right. Just read a lot. Learn a lot. Hey, didn't we talk about learning last week? Yes, we did with Priscilla Long talking about it again. Yeah, just it's never too late. It's not too late, people. Just the next day, the next thought, the next thing. All right, listen, happy holidays. Let's wrap this one up. Spend the next couple of weeks just enjoying yourself, enjoying the company of others. Uh, thank my good friend RJ Jeffries, my producer. Have a great time. Have a good holiday. And to all of you out there, you know, best thing to do for the holiday is find something you love to do and then do it. <laughs>